Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Exactly like me, but with glasses like that. Trying to catch a Pokemon as well. And we catch eyes, and I'm like that. <laughs> and we have this really awkward moment, and I'll go back there, I'll go back home, and I'm like, Sarah, I might get rid of Pokemon again. I saw myself in him. He was, he was my doppelganger. He was like the exact me catching Pikachu or whatever. Um, and so we're doing a series um, at a church around life stories. And um, the reason I was going to brought that up is because um, we see ourselves in the people that we read in the Bible, right? And so we're going through a number of different characters, and we see ourselves in it. And so as we read through and as I go through um, this particular story, you'll be able to see things that um, you see in them. And some of those things will actually be encouraging. Some of those things will be encouraging. And some of those things will be a little bit disheartening um, because you see people's frailties and we share in their victories and we also share in their defeats. Right? We share in their good frailties. Um, and so today I'm going to be talking about Gideon. Is this, is this quite loud? Is it? No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, today we're going to be talking about Gideon. And I found uh, the story of Gideon uh, really encouraging in a lot of ways really revealing for myself. So I want you to be thinking as I'm talking through, as we read it, and I want you to be thinking about um, how, you know, how is there similarities in your life um, and how we're going to get into some details. Um, I'm going to ask Lucy to come up and read for me. Um, she gets set for mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's up. <laughs> okay, so this is 
Judges 6, 1-16. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out to help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in the land you dwell, for you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terrible outcropping, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of God. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And where are his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest and the lesser, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike Midianites as one man. I want to stop there. For those of you that know the story of Gideon, you'll know that what follows is a range of tests that Gideon asked God to prove himself in order that um, uh, he would be sure that he was being called, and also um, he ends up tearing down the altar of Baal. Um, and the, the eventual kind of climactic bit of the story is that he takes 22,000 men, reduces them down to 300, and then um, routes the um, Malachites and Midianites, um, which is an amazing story. Um, but I want to focus on what was read um, the, the opening exchange. Um, I spoke to Kat of Kat and James uh, recently, and she told me that there was a there's going to be a virtual reality Bible, so you can kind of like they're creating at the moment, so you can kind of put the headphones and you can be in the moment, right? Be at the beating of five thousand. I don't know how good it's going to be. I really hope it's not one of those nap productions. You're like, so that's the transfiguration. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like really underwhelmed. But um, I was just. Thinking about that when I was uh, looking at the story, and I imagine if this was a production of Gideon, um, there's going to be this like climactic battle at the end, and it starts with the context that you find yourself in, which is um, the fact that uh, they are basically in hiding, living in caves, oppressed, um, and then there's this pan down. I see it as a wide, starts as a wide, and it pans down to underneath, 
this terebinth at Ophrah, which is a tree in a place. Um, where the angel of the Lord comes to this guy who is essentially hiding um, in a wine press, which is you know, so that he can provide for himself and his family. Um, I wanted to focus in on that because the obvious choice is to talk about like how we, we the 300, yeah, of us, are going to take on, you know, and there's going to be some big battle. David is doing David and Goliath later, I'm sure he'll, um, he'll talk about that. The reason I wanted to focus on in, on the um, on this, because there's an intimacy that comes from a, a wider context, so it should speak to us individually. This is God speaking with Gideon and this exchange between them, this intimate exchange between them. And it gives you an insight into Gideon as a man, um, who I relate to quite a lot, actually. Um, and it gives you an insight into, into God. So there's three things that I think, um, well, there's a lot of things we can learn, but three things that I pull out that we can learn from, from this passage. The first point is God knew Gideon. God knew Gideon. Um, if, you, if you've been around in church for a while, you've heard the, 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 the you know, you've heard the fact that God loves you, that God knows you, but if you, for one second, take yourself out of that context and think about the, the fact that the God, the God that Bill talks about, laid the foundations of the earth, the God that created all things, everything we've known or imagined or understood, everything sits underneath this all seeing or knowing omniscient being, God knows you. God knows you. And some of you know, if that doesn't if that doesn't um, move us in some way, if that doesn't you know, um, grab us in some way, then then I feel like we've become too familiar with what we're talking about. We've become too familiar with the fact that God and, and the, the openness and the grace of God has meant that we're able to call him friend, but actually we have to remember the context in which that friendship is based. It's based on the all-powerful, all-knowing God who knows you. And so there's this amazing humility in God that we see all throughout the Bible. And when we take this wide pan, which was to show the context of what we're in at the moment, where the people of God rebel against God and now they're in deep trouble, it pans down to under a tree. Under a tree. And for those of you that are kind of think of the Bible in a broader sense, you'll notice that there's a, there's a parallel there. There's a parallel there between this kind of amazing God that is you know, unknown, you know? Un- unknown. It should be. It should be unknown. It should be just beyond us. And yet he comes down and humbles himself to the foot of the tree. So the first point is God knew Gideon. But he didn't just know him, right? He knows him as one of these, these people. Um, he knew what he could be. And then at the end, the irony is not lost on us, right? The Bible in some places is quite funny. You miss it, but you don't expect the Bible to be funny. But um, the angel of the Lord comes to him, and you know, the context is, and those of you who have heard this before, if you know the story, he's hiding, he's kind of like oppressed, he's not mighty, and yet the first thing that's called to him is, the Lord is with you at mighty man of battle. Now, if, that, if it was British production of this film, then there would be hints of sarcasm there, right? 
Right. Comes down, sees him, and he's like bleating out this um, wheat or whatever. He's kind of like making food, hiding, checking if the Amalekites are there. And, and, and this angel goes, Go on, my man, brother. Yeah, all right, go on. Find your own woman, press. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like there's, there's some sort of sarcasm there, but it's not sarcasm because this isn't a British production. Um, it's the fact that God was able to know and see him for who he could be and not what he was at that very moment. He was able to attribute to him a name, Almighty Man of Valor, something that he wasn't actually currently walking in. He wasn't standing in that at all. Um, I just want this is an aside from this, right? Because the point of this is the power of God's word. The power of God's word over you. When God speaks something over you, it has such power in it, such um, uh, it's so definitive that it is sure, and that you and you can be sure of it. So when He says, "Oh mighty man of valor," it wasn't. I hope one day you will be a mighty man of valor. It's I see in you what you will become. I'm attributing to you right now what you will become in the future. And that's a distinction because there is there is a little bit of a, a, a kind of a, a theology point here where we, we try and try to um, do the same thing with our words. So I'm going to say to Pete, oh mighty man of valor. And so the power of my words here might be directed for him. I might say, Pete, I see something in you that you could be a mighty man of valor. And the world has picked up on this. The world knows this. There was a, a documentary that I saw on Netflix, and I haven't watched it quite often. Bit bored, but I kind of seems a bit like research. But this guy Tony Robbins, have you heard of Tony Robbins? Yeah. He's like the big guy with the husky voice, and he's like looking at people's eyes and saying, "You're amazing, you're amazing." And and these people are like, they're like, "I am amazing." <laughs> and it, but it, you know, it, it, it does the job, right? These people are being like motivated. Some people are suicidal, and thousands of people go to these things. Thousands of people go to it. Because we know the power of words, and the world knows the power of words. If you speak things, it will direct you to be them. And it says it in the Bible. If you look at James. It says it talks about the tongue being like the rudder of the ship. And the words that you speak will direct you. They will. They will send you places. If you if you constantly beating up on yourself, you want to meet you and then really, you know, won't do much. You're constantly like positive thinking. You know, I mean, my office is full of that, right? People are listening to stuff. It's like in the morning, like, you will be amazing. You will be amazing. I will be amazing. I will be amazing. Um, but the world has picked up on that. But there is a distinction between that and God's word. The distinction is that God's word is definite, and our words are directional. You see, our words are are. Um, are based on kind of external um, circumstances can, can, can influence that. So if I say I am going to be like an England footballer, then there are other things involved here other than my own personal will and might. There are other things that can get in there. And so you see all of those, you know, the positive thinking, kind of speaking into being theology is dangerous when it's when it's only attributed to, to kind of what you, you know, what you're saying. Because people start to go, God's family. God's family, I've been talking about being an England footballer for the past 20 years. 
But, you know, and if you've got a theology based on using, you know, it's about the power of your words, and that's it, as opposed to the power of them being directed, then it can get dangerous. That's kind of an assignment. You see, God's word is so definite. You see, the reason we're able to have assurance for what God calls us now is because God is outside. Right? There's no extending circumstances. He sees all, he knows all. And if he calls you something, it means that he purposed that it will come into being. It means that he, he sees it. So so let's let's take it to us. What does that mean? So if God calls you righteous now, yes, God giving you the, the title, I'm saying with you right now, I'm, I'm taking you, you're going to be righteous. And then the next day, you're not righteous. Because God is attributing to you something which he is determined will be. He has set his face upon making you that. Paul says it in Philippians 1, 6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in me will bring it to conclusion at the day of Christ Jesus. Church, we can be sure that though we don't show the, the attributes of sons all the time, that we can still right now claim sonship. Right now. Because God is determined that for you. He is determined that for you for the future. And it was true of Gideon. It wasn't sarcasm, it was God saying, I've determined that you are going to be we have the benefit of the big picture. We can read it if we're not careful and go mighty man about it. Yeah, it's it's going to men. Did you see what I mean? We didn't he didn't see that. He's he's currently in a in a wine press. And currently he might be feeling like you're in a wine press. Feeling like, actually, you haven't even told the people at work you're a Christian. I don't want to do that. I, you know, when was the last time I told anyone about Jesus? I don't know, feel the pressure of You feel like you, you haven't got that, and so when God calls you, when you get a word of your life, like at the weekend away, when people were like, a lot of people getting words about lions, and I was like, oh, I'm really someone give me lamb. Because I don't feel like a lion right now. I didn't feel like a lion. And people are talking, you know, people, you know we, we've been moving in the gifts of the Spirit, and and people are speaking God's word over you. And, and you can start to think there's a disconnect right now between what God is speaking over me and what my life looks like right now. That is because God is determined. He has decided, and he, will, who, who began good work in you, will bring it to And so when we're feeling down, when we're feeling like we're not the man or woman that we want to be right now, we can look to God and what is what is saying? I'm, I'm calling you son, not because... You're not really going to be like, act like my son. You're not really going to be good, but I'm just going to call you that anyway. No, it's because he's determined that you will get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, he also knew, so he knew, he knew Gideon, he knew what he could be, but he also knew uh, what he would do. I love this. When you read Gideon, he like tests God. God says, don't test me. He tests God. He's like, um, I'm going to lay out some leaves. Is it going to be wet? Yeah, it's wet. And then I want it to be dry. You know, he does this kind of like rigmarole, like this whole like um, kind of act with God. And God, you know, he could just be like, next, 
you know, I used someone else's weekly pathetic that I could make. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He could quite easily do that. It's not like he picked it in for his attributes and therefore he's like, mm, he's the best of a bad bunch. He's like, no, he's he's terrible. This guy's terrible. I could just miss him. And, and yet still, Gideon's like, is it where? <laughs> no? Oh no, this is real. This is, this is happening. He knew that he would fail. He knew that he would um, misunderstand God. He knew that he would test him. And yet God still called him. You know, it's really great like, right now to know that God knows the future mistakes mm. you're going to make. Because, I, do you know what, I've come out of, I've come out of meetings, right, and like, um, uh, big events, uh, tends to be big Christian events, and I come out and I'm like, from today, <laughs> from today, no bad stuff. <laughs> and it's great to do that, right, it's great to do that, but then the moment you mess up, the moment you mess up, you're like, but God, you just did that with me. He knew you were going to do that. He knew, he knows you're going to mess up. And yet he still goes mighty men about. And yet he still gives you a name, still gives you a, 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 a calling, even though he knows you're going to mess up. I find that so releasing. And it's good to remember that when God's doing something in your life, when you're having this like really deep spiritual moment, and you're like, God's okay. And that's not to go, I'm just going to mess up, so it's fine. But it's to recognize that God is determined that he will do a work in you, that he will bring to completion what he started you, even though he knows there's going to be bumps on the road because you haven't yet got what you want to contribute to you. You see, God calls us knowing him. Knowing him. He calls you knowing all of your pitfalls, all of your all of the frailties, all of the all of the things that you're going to do in the future that are going to mess up. Yeah, he still calls you. He says, I'm, I'm willing to put my name on the line and say, you're my son. You're my son. You know, when we go out there and we tell people we're Christians, there's an expectation on us, right? Like yesterday, I told we got a new senior client. I had to go to a photo shoot yesterday. And um, I had to go because she was there. And it was like, great. It turns out she lives in Stretton. So the... Uh, Preach prep time I had planned on the train was ruined because I was like traveling with her. Lovely lady, um, we were there so long, I was like, I've got to throw it in. She's like, What are you doing on Sunday? Preaching at church? <laughs> She's like, Okay. So actually, it was great. It was really good. She had a kind of Christian It was lovely. Um, when you say, I'm a Christian, well, you, you know, you, you instantly, there's an expectation on you that you are going to be this, like, holy, perfect. And so you kind of put yourself out there, especially in a workplace, because the, the non-Christians will pull you up on it. I love that. Because actually, if we get it right, we know that. We're getting to claim stuff that we're not yet, but actually what we're telling people do. So when we say, you know, Christian is a bit of Christ, right? It means like we're Christ-like. There's lots about me right now that isn't Christ-like. Actually, there's more today than there was yesterday. That's point one. Point one. one. God knew Gideon. Um, the second is, Gideon knew of God, but he didn't really know God. He knew of God, but he didn't really know God. Um, on the train with this lady, um, she's, she's like way more senior than me. 
and um, she's talking about all the celebs that she's worked with. And I've got like three in my repertoire, and I stretch those out like the two hour train journey. She's got like 4,000, she's going through them. Um, and, um, and I've made the same goal, so yeah. I feel like that kind of wins because it's like my favorite world. Um, but I was talking about him as if like I, I knew it, because I was trying to stretch out these stories of like trying to make myself look good, see myself I'm not that Christ like. Um, and so I'm talking, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, I met him all the way He's a lovely guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really lovely guy. I met him for like two minutes. He was nice to me, shook my hand, you know. Lovely guy. Charming. You know, I didn't know him. I played Usain Bolt. Sarah's cool. She knows I'm preaching. She doesn't want to turn up. She calls me during it. I love her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And there is a danger that actually we have this kind of understanding of God that we don't actually I don't know if you noticed um, the bit that was read out. The prophet comes, right? Prophet comes and he basically says, This is why you're in the pickle that you're in, and don't worry, it's going to be sorted, you know, because God loves you as he did, and it is right as they were out Moses, which I have with Moses. Um, the prophet came and kind of um, told what happened, but then you notice Gideon's response. Um, if the Lord is with us, why is this happening? Now, I don't know. This is, this is a bit of a story you have to kind of like guess at because, you know, it's not written down. I don't know if, if Gideon missed the prophet meeting where he did, you know, he was kind of was like, uh, the prophet's come, um, I'm busy, I need to find some wheat to eat. I don't know if he missed that meeting, so therefore he's kind of excused for not having that knowledge that the fact that it was because of their sins and they were in that position. Or he was in that meeting and he didn't listen. You know, and you kind of just heard the bit that actually God um, liberates his people because we look back at the Exodus and we can see that God liberates the people, so why aren't we? You see what I mean? He's got this kind of um, understanding of God, but he hasn't got the full picture of God. He's got this understanding that God is a God of mercy and a, and a God that will um, rescue his people. He doesn't understand that there is, tied up in all of this, is, is actually their own sin. And so he's like, the Lord is with us, why has this happened? Why, why has this happened? Because you've been sinful. Do you know what I mean? So he, he's got this kind of um, view of God that's made up of the different things that have been told to him. He doesn't have this kind of revelation of God in the broader sense. And um, it meant that he had a bit of a second-hand faith, right? He, he, um, he, he knew of the story of Moses, but he didn't know of the talent he didn't recognise that actually if he if he read really what happened with Moses, it, it was a lot of the people sinned and God taught them a lesson through it. There was a lot of that. And if he'd have understood that the, the broader picture, then he, he wouldn't have questioned why are we in this position? You see, our our faith cannot be based upon the selected verses that we read, or the selected sermons that we've heard. It can't be, it can't be. Because I'll tell you what, you will naturally, naturally, hear the stuff that you want to hear. You will naturally hear the stuff you want to hear. And you will naturally only pick up the things that you will take away. So if I tell you guys, be who you want to be today, you're all going to go away pumped. And just like, I can be who I want to be. But if I tell you, you need to repent today. 
to some of the things you're experiencing in your life right now is because you're sinning against God and He's teaching you something for you're not going to go away like oh. <laughs> you see what I mean and so what Gideon was experiencing was, was an intimate moment with the true living God who was put, putting together the pieces for him he was revealing um, he was revealing more and if he had listened to the prophet he would have recognised that the people needed to turn from their ways now he, he was taken on that journey because actually what Gideon ended up doing was destroying the temple, destroying the altar of God. So he, he recognized that they needed to get rid of that in order to be used by God. So God took him on that journey. But at this point, where God meets him, he didn't know God, he just knew of God. He knew of the wonders that had happened before. And the church, we cannot be those people. We cannot be those people that simply look back at the things that have gone before and build of theology of what the bits that we get from them. You see, God is a living God that you can learn now. And you know what? When you engage with him occasionally, he will tell you you can't say Repent. That thing that you did, it's not good. It's not good. So don't do it. Because actually it's holding you back from what you need to do. And that only happens when we engage with the true living God and not when we engage with random bits of stories. But I'll tell you what, we will stay in the bits of the stories that we are. Not in the hard bits. <clears throat> you see, for the Israelites, the, the story that they were told to remember was the Exodus. They were told to remember that because it will, it will always remind them of God's mercy God. God liberated them. But that was a foreshadow because the church is communion. It's the cross. We're told to remember that in the same way that the Israelites were told to remember it. But actually, if you come to communion and all we're doing is remembering that Jesus loves me so much, Jesus loves me so much, that's why he made it work. Actually, if you, if you, if you don't understand, actually, occasionally we'll be taking us and we'll be broken by the sin. Jesus had to die on the cross because of my sins. That's the reason it happened. And so when you when you have that experience of God, when you know God for yourself, you will be open to those things and you will recognize that God is a merciful God and he has to be merciful. Because we mess up. So Gideon knew of God, but he didn't know that God is merciful. The third point is Gideon felt inadequate. Um, Gideon's response, his natural response, and often our natural response, it, off the back of a calling, is um, uh, not me, I can't do it because, like, um, we naturally go to ourselves when we're called upon my God, and that's what Gideon did. Um, the, the, the parallel between the story of Gideon and the story of Moses is, is really, really strong. And so the, the exact same thing happened when we got called Moses, he came up with an excuse. He came up with like, I don't know, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, because of, you know, see God looking at him and he's racking his brains to why he can't do it. It's just like, God. But Gideon does exactly the same. I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the, you know. And he, he's kind of not understood the opening thing where, where the angel says, a mighty man of valor. He hasn't understood that, right? 
Because if he understood that God is determined that he would be there one day, then he would say, keep quiet. If you're calling me mighty man of valor, then you have determined that I will be there. So God, have your way. I'm in. in. And that is the response that we should have. That's the response that we should have when God calls us, not... Remember that over the weekend, the waves kept going, the Christian too, a bit like that. Because we keep looking at ourselves. I'm a confident bloke. I am a confident bloke. You know, at work, people can you know, everyone gets a coffee, you know, I walk around my phone quite a lot, everyone gets a brief about it. I'm a confident bloke. As soon as I'm taken outside of my confidence, out of my comfort zone, I'm not a confident bloke. And God's call for us often will take us outside of this little bubble of confidence that we found. I'm confident in loads of environments. You put me in another environment, I'm just like fish out of water, I'm like, oh, nervous, and I don't want to too much. And actually, that happens a lot in Christianity. A lot in our faith. Because at work, you are like, you're like, I know my job. I've got like people working for me. I'm confident in that. And you're looking to yourself and you're going, oh, I'm confident in all those things. Actually, God will often call you to do stuff that takes you outside of that. I'm confident to do that, but you've asked me to tell someone at work about Jesus. <laughs> It's true though, right? But actually, God's response to that is And actually, he takes, this is this is the beauty of God. And I, when I was reading this, I saw a footnote, I was just like, this is our God, right? God takes the bit of knowledge that he does have about God, and he uses that to bring it into his life. He, he knows the Moses story. Gideon knows the Moses story. <laughs> And so God uses the exact same words that he says to Moses and Moses. How wonderful is that? He would have known that story. He would have known. And it, it, I imagine the moment where it kind of dawns on Gideon, oh, that exactly the same as what Moses did. And look at what God did through Moses. Look at what God did through Moses. Moses went through the same journey in Bethany by a bush. He met me in my secret place. He met me in in the pan-down moment. Me and you, God. And we had this interaction where you called me to do something great. And my response was, are you? And your response was, no. It's the same words. I love that. I love when you kind of see something in the Bible and you're just like, God has such gentleness and such kindness to us that he would use that story to go, I've done that through Moses, that's the one thing you know about me. That's the one thing that you'll hold on to, that I'm the God that liberates. I'm the God that, you know, and, and you're using that against me, like, you liberate the one that's why I'm in this. Yeah, I'm still going to be gentle with you and go, I will be with you. Using the exact same word that I said to Moses. Imagine that moment. You see, it's exactly the same for us. And God says exactly the same to us when he calls us. Exactly the same. He starts off by calling you something that you have no right to want. Because he is determined that you will do that. And he calls you sons and daughters that you have no right to own. You have no right to take his name. Yet he gives you that right. He says, I'm determined to make you into 
even though sometimes we don't really know God fully, God is the God that will go from there to one of the tree books. He will come and meet you. He will come and meet you. And you're hiding. And he will reveal to you what he has for you and what he's determined for you to be. And what he says to you is don't look at yourself. Because you might be confident now, but I know you're not. Okay? And, and you're never going to get there if you try and do it in your own self. Actually, I'm going to liberate you from your own self. I'm going to liberate you from, from the, the places you feel comfortable and the places you don't feel comfortable. I'm going to liberate you from that because I am going to go with you as I went with Moses, as I went with Joshua. And as I'm going with all these judges in this period of time, and as I'm going with all the people that I'm born. We are, the series that we're doing is roughly based on Hebrews 11, look through the people of faith. And, and I often read that list and I'm like, well, I wish I was on that list. Right? And you look at the details of their life and you go, I could be on that list. Right? They're not that great. Um, the Hebrews 12 is great. Because it follows Hebrews 11 and says, Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith. How many people is that? You know, I, I often have times not where I'm going to be with I love the fact that I can look to Jesus and say, Look how much I feel like You're taking me on this journey. There's going to be bumps on the road. It's about you have determined that I will get there. <coughs> Father, we love reading your word and hearing what you've done in other people's lives. We feel a familiarity with Gideon. We see ourselves in him. But we do thank you that you are unchanging. We do thank you that in the same gracious, merciful, gentle, kind way you come to us in our weakness and you call us sons and daughters when there is no evidence of them. And you determine that there will be evidence of And you determine that you will bring them to college. So Father, I pray for each other. I pray for the words that have been spoken over every individual. I pray, Lord, that they would um, hear that right, that it wouldn't be a, a rudder to them, but it would be what you would determine. They would look to you, not to their own personal efforts. That we would go from here in the knowledge that we are able to own what we don't yet have. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or our events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.